Big names are headlining this weekend's UFC 262 card. From Nate Diaz to Michael Chandler, there will be no shortage of action. And DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, has a heavyweight offer for this weekend's fight with 100 to 1 odds. One fighter will be walking away with a belt. Will you be walking away with the cash? Just pick the main event fighter you think will win, and DraftKings Sportsbook will give you 100 to 1 odds on that fighter. That's right, bet $1 on select fighters, and if they win, you win $100. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Don't worry if MMA is not for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers great odds and promotions on basketball as well as hockey with the Stanley Cup playoffs coming up in just over a week. Get in today using code THPN to get started on your sports betting career. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on a main card fighter to win. Place your bet and watch the fist fly this weekend. That's code THPN to turn $1 into $100 on select main card fighters for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hello and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky. I'm joined as always by Nick Horwat, and it is playoff season for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Well, at least it's leading up to playoff season. We don't exactly know when playoff season will begin for the Pens, but Horwat, how are you doing today? Doing good. We know the playoffs are coming. Let's just, let's take it easy. I see a lot of people freaking out that we don't know when the playoffs start. Let's let's calm down. Listen, this time off is kind of nice. I've had a lot of things to do. I don't need that stress added on to my life right now. Uh, so I'm going to take this in stride. I've been the only one not complaining about not knowing when we play yet. I know it's coming. We know we're playing the Islanders. And that was kind of my big concern. So I'm not worried about when the games start yet. They will start. Yeah, as far as a layoff for the Pittsburgh Penguins, this couldn't have come at a better time for you in particular, of course, Moving into a new apartment, trying to get everything set up with that. It's given you the time, so I'm sure you're, you're sitting back and enjoying it. But the rest of us here on, on Penguin's social media and in Penguin's land are, are anxious and chomping at the bit to get Game 1. At least a date and time for Game 1, so we know when we're going to get to see these guys back on the ice. Yeah, I'm just not worried about scheduling when my uh, stress level will be will be higher. I I'd rather just come naturally rather than just, all right, I'm going to be stressed on this day during these hours. Like, I don't know. That's just me. Everyone needs to chill. Hey, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of stress to be had over the next two weeks, so we're not going to have anything shy of that. But we have a great show for you guys today. We have a lot of different voices that are going to be joining the show with us today. We have the guys from Bar Down Breakdown to sit here and come on with us, and we'll discuss the Penns Islanders matchup, of course. They are from the Hockey Podcast Network, our hockey-slash-music podcast here on the network. Horlot, I know you've talked to them in the past and been on their show, so I'm very excited 
to have them join us to preview Penn's Islanders. And then a little bit later, we'll be joined for the second time by Kaique of Pittsburgh Sports Brazil to talk a little bit about the NHL's new TV deals, how that affects our international fans of the Pittsburgh Penguins, and how he is excited for the Stanley Cup playoffs. And then, of course, because it is a Thursday episode, we can't do anything but finish it with our shout-outs and call-outs. We've been doing shout-outs and call-outs now since August 1st of last year. I'd love to see a list of our shout-outs and call-outs, so maybe I'll have to go back and listen to all of our Thursday episodes and try to figure out if any of us have shouted out or called out certain individuals twice or more and see who has gotten the most praise in that segment from us. I'm sure someone or something has... Uh, NHL I just, player safety, probably. Yeah, I'm just more <laughs> curious to know how many times I definitely gave a lazy answer. Uh, because sometimes I'm not fully prepared for this segment. I'm like, ah, shit, we're recording soon. I should probably come up with stuff. And I just kind of look at Twitter trends. But <laughs> no, for the most part, um, oh, I'm sure there's been a couple that have gotten doubles. I think one of mine today is one from last week, actually. Hey, so there you go. We're doubling up within the past couple of weeks. But we do have a long and good show for you guys. We're going to try to preview the Penns Islanders matchup as much as possible. Before we head to that interview with Bar Down Breakdown, we're going to preview it a little bit ourselves because we have some opinions on this. Of course, the Pittsburgh Penguins have been practicing since they finished the season on Saturday against the Buffalo Sabres. And Wednesday, for the first time all season, the Pittsburgh Penguins had a fully healthy practice. Everybody in the organization was at practice. There was nobody missing due to injury. Everybody that is up on the Penguins roster for the playoffs was at practice and skating. There were a couple players, namely Evgeny Malkin and Casey DeSmith, that didn't participate in the post-practice scrimmage, but that was on a coach's decision. So the Penguins, for the first time all year, had everybody present and accounted for at practice. How big of a deal is this, Horwat? It's a huge deal because you said it's the first time all season we've had perfect attendance. I mean, boy, oh boy, when's the last time any team's been able to say that about the Penguins? Any Penguins team has been able to say that. I can't. I don't think we had a full slate going into the playoffs last year. I'm sure we did because we had like a month off. Mm -hmm. But um, that was a little different. We were more worried about having, you know, hockey back and all. Yes, this is a big deal because we have everyone. I mean, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to go any further than that. The lineup um, can pretty much be set, and it doesn't include guys, which the shocking part, it doesn't include guys like Mark Jankowski or Colton Sevier, who, you know, Jankowski, we figured, might be able to do something as a fourth-line center here, maybe even a third-line center. Uh, and then Sevier, no. we thought maybe he'd be a good little piece to that trade. Maybe he'd be that forward presence that – well, he wouldn't fill Hornquist's shoes, but um, – Whenever we got him in return as well with Matheson, I think we kind of looked at Steve here as you might have to be the saving grace of this trade uh, because people weren't happy about the Matheson one. So it's interesting that they're not in the lineup anymore, but so be it. It's the way the ball rolls, and here we are. We have a perfect attendance at practice for the first time in a long time. I love how much time changes perception because earlier in the week, Mike Matheson returned to practice in a full-contact jersey, and a birdcage in front of his mask. And the overwhelming discussion was how good this is for the Penguins. Three months ago, that wouldn't have been that discussion. 
Three months ago, that was not even on the minds of Penguins fans. They didn't care if Matheson was at practice, but he was. And now he's practiced a couple of days, full health. He's practicing in-line rushes, which is the big thing for him. That means he's close to a return there. Somebody else that has been practicing, Brandon Tanev. Do you worry at all about Brandon Tanev not getting any game action between leaving that game against the say, the Bru- excuse me against the Boston Bruins and game one of the postseason against the New York Islanders? No, I don't think so. He's mm-hmm. not a guy you really worry too much about how much time he's missed. He's kind of always at more than game speed when it comes to playing. He's always a little a step ahead. He's a little step ahead of everyone. Uh, so him missing time, I'm not super worried about it um sure it sucks that you can't get in there and get a get a little acclimated but i think for what it's worth kind of everyone might be not coming in cold but with a week off everyone's gonna be feeling a little you know a little cold after a season that they had regular season specifically i think it's nice for the penguins to have a couple days off especially some of their players like Sidney crosby and Jake Gensel and Brian Rust, who played so many games throughout that season. But as far as Brandon Tanev's concerned, I understand bringing Malkin back with four games left and letting him get his legs underneath him in game action. I don't think I have ever once, even 1% of me, has been concerned about Brandon Tanev not being able to be at game speed. I mean, it was an upper body injury, so you know his lower body wasn't injured anyway. I think there's no issue with Brandon Tanev being at game speed. I think he's never really had fantastic hands to begin with, so he's going to be able to go out there and play his game as long as whatever he injured in his upper body isn't bothering him, and he can still be as physical as he likes to be. But other than that, as far as his pace of play and the way that he's going to play, I'm not really concerned come game one, especially because he's probably going to get kind of short minutes. I mean, I know that fourth line is going to be important, but in game one, do you really need to put that fourth line out there for any more than 12 minutes? No, probably not. And I think for Tanev, he'll be completely fine as far as his legs and as far as his stamina goes for that. Yeah, they're a line you don't need to play that much, especially because it is the Islanders. They are a they are just as a defensively-minded team as that line is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you're not going to be playing them a whole bunch if you do you want to utilize them maybe against um, probably just their fourth line? Because we know that they seem to score on us all of the time. So yeah, yeah, maybe they're shut down line for the, for I mean, it's just the fourth lines going at each other. They're just shut to, shutting each other down. That's all it is. It's just a stalemate when those uh, six are on the ice and you know what? That's fine because the penguins have, you know, three scoring lines that can, Um, probably outpace the Islanders uh, other three. And it's interesting that you bring that up because I feel like this series is truly going to be a test, at least in the offensive side of the ice. It's truly going to be a test of the Islanders' bottom six and the Penguins' top six. I think the Islanders' bottom six is very sturdy, and so is the Penguins. So it's going to be a battle between those two, but I still think the overall skill level of the Penguins' top six is going to be too much for the Islanders. I mean, we said that in 2019, and I do want to talk about that series just a little bit, but I feel like this year is a little bit different, mainly because of the way that Crosby, Gensel, and Rust have been playing, and the fact that also Evgeny Malkin, while he has only had four games and he didn't score a goal, and we mentioned it on our last episode, he only has eight goals on the season. 
he's playing with guys like Kasperi Kapan and Jason Zucker who can put the, bucket, the puck in the back of the net. So it's going to be a true test of can the Penguins' top six outgun the Islanders' top six, which I think is a given. But then it's also going to be will the Islanders have that much of an advantage over the Penguins in the bottom six? That was the story in 2019, and that has been a story that has come up ever since it was locked in as Penguins-Islanders, is the fact that just two years ago, the Islanders embarrassed the Pittsburgh Penguins in 2019 with a 4-0 series sweep. How prevalent for you is that in your mind? Um, I It is because, you know, it's it was the kind of the beginning of the, not the beginning of the end for this team, but it was the first year where we were really kind of just not in a playoff series in a long time. We were just out of it. It was over for us. Um, but so it's not, but it's not super prevalent in my mind because I also consider that it's two years removed. The, the Penguins are a completely different team now and they have home ice advantage. It's not mm-hmm. starting off in Nassau or, or where are they playing? Is it Nassau? They're playing or in Nassau. In Na- all right, cool. That's actually very good for one of the questions I have for the Islanders, guys. Um, but yeah, so it's it's very important that um, we look at, yeah, the past is the past because and what happened happened because it sucked, and the team wasn't great. But this is a new team. Are some of the pieces the same? Sure, but we are deployed differently. We are built differently, and uh, we have the experience, and we are. A, we are a home ice team now, and if for what it's worth, their goaltending also is not the same, and that was a big part of hmm. um, the sweep two years ago. It's funny. I thought you were about to pull out a Disney quote. I thought you were about to pull out the old Rafiki from Lion King. You know, the past is the past. You can either run from it or you can face it or something like that. I thought that's what you were going to pull out. I'm not sure why, but that just stuck in my head. But no, you bring up a good point. It is the past. It is still two years ago. And while that's not too long ago, as far as hockey speak, you think about the fact that that was two years ago, but two years ago from that, the Penguins were winning a Stanley Cup. So how different two years can actually make I mean, look at the defense core. We didn't have Cody Ceci or Matheson, who are, of course, new to the Penguins this year. We didn't have John Marino yet. That changes a lot of that. Tristan Jari was not a goaltender that year. Of course, the Penguins' forward core is much different. Brandon Tanev is here. And really, if I look at that series, the one play that just kind of encapsulates the 2019 series between these two teams was the Jack Johnson play. And I think most people know what I'm talking about. He came out of the penalty box. He was supposed to make a beeline to his own bench. Not only did he run into one New York Islander, but after he finally gained his footing after running into one, he clobbered another one on an interference penalty and right back into the box. That was kind of an encapsulation of how the Penguins played throughout that entire series. They just had no idea how to respond to the New York Islanders and Barry Trott's system. I think this year is going to be different for that. Mike Sullivan is now 2-2 two and two against Barry Trotz in postseason appearances, and I think it's going to be important for him to get over this hurdle if the Penguins are going to go anywhere. Clearly, you need to win in the first round to win a Stanley Cup. I know that. But I think it's going to be even more meaningful for Sullivan and for this team to do it against a team like the New York Islanders because we know the Penguins can score. They led the league in scoring this year. Can they go up against a team that is going to punch you in the mouth? The Islanders can do it. 
The Capitals can do it. The Bruins can do it. They did it to them during the regular season. And the Penguins still ended up on top of them in the standings. Can you do it in the postseason? That's going to be the question for the Penguins heading into this series. Things get real now. That's the way to put it. Mm-hmm. It's now it matters. Not that it didn't matter before, but you know now it all amps up. It's the point of all right. That people were counting us out from the start. We made it. Not only mm-hmm. did we make it, we are number one. Now we have to go prove why we are. Is it the easiest quote unquote opponent to play out of these out of these three? Maybe, but you can't look at that and say, you know, you can go a little slower. You got to take it the same because they are a team that did two years ago knock you out clean in the first round. Mm-hmm. And you also then, and not only do we have to look at two years ago, we have to look at last year. Uh, again, an inferior opponent that took us out clean. So, you know, we got to play the right way and just do the right stuff. I don't know. I don't know how to coach this team from here. I don't know how to really go into the whole point of the the minute details, but we just got to be a better team. That's all. Yeah. And you mentioned last postseason, of course, the Penguins getting knocked out by the Montreal Canadiens. All the meanwhile, the New York Islanders went to the Eastern Conference Finals and gave the Tampa Bay Lightning a run for their money, the eventual Stanley Cup champion. So you cannot take this team lightly. While it might have been the best matchup, and both of us have said this already, while it might have been the best matchup in the East for the Penguins, it's not an easy matchup by any stretch of the word. You always mention, ever since 2019, that if that series would have started at PPG Paints Arena, it would have been a different story. And you kind of glanced over it in your explanation there a couple minutes ago. But I I want you to kind of just... Do you still believe that home ice advantage now will make it that different story for the Pittsburgh Penguins? Um, so because I don't know what the Islanders do attendance-wise in this COVID situation, mm-hmm. um, the Pittsburgh's going to 50% in five days. The yes. they bring it in uh, on the 17th. The Penguins are opening up the building to 50%. So, I mean, we don't know when we play yet. For all we know, that could be game two that we're at 50% capacity. So game one's got to be a little bit more hectic with fewer people. Um, I think it could make a difference because, again, I don't know what the Islanders and the state of New York are allowing attendance-wise, but um, 50% at PPG Paints Arena is huge. That's 9,000? No, not 9,000. Give or take little over 9,000, almost 10,000 people. That's, um, I mean, the players have already said it whenever it was uh, 20%, whatever the first number was, it sounded good. It sounded not full, but it sounded loud. And that's what they mm-hmm. wanted to hear. And that's what I'm sure. And that's what me as a fan wanted to hear. So 50% does make a huge difference. And I think it can have a swing. I mean, home ice advantage. Normally I don't take home ice advantage into too much consideration especially during the regular season but now um you need every advantage you can get this is one of them especially if the islanders are playing at nassau that's just it's built different you think the penguins are built different or a built different team this year nassau coliseum is a built different arena mm-hmm. um and they're getting the new arena next year right is that's yep belmont park and the islanders fans could be looking at this as the last ride that's very true. So you got to take advantage while you can um, 
because those two away games are not going to be easy uh, from an environmental standpoint. The Pittsburgh Penguins were one of the top two teams on home ice this year. So obviously starting off the postseason at PPG Paints Arena is a huge deal for them. And here's the other tidbit. The Penguins on the road were above 500, but not by much. So clearly a much better home team than road team. So it's big for the Penguins to be at home. It's also big to have the Islanders on the road because they had a similar split. The Islanders were also a top five team at home this season. Meanwhile, on the road, they were just around that 500 mark as well. So it's huge for the Pittsburgh Penguins to be able to play these games at home. And I know that we don't want to take these matchups that we saw in the regular season between these two teams too much into consideration. At least you and I don't like to do that. But the Pittsburgh Penguins at home were 4-0 against the New York Islanders, and they weren't particularly close games. They had a 4-1 victory. They had a 6-3 victory at one point. I believe the other one was 5-3 at some point, or 3-2 or something like that. But the Penguins clearly outplayed the New York Islanders on home ice. And on the road, they were a measly 2-2, and there were two wins. One came in overtime, one came in the shootout. One had to be a comeback. One of those two wins was a comeback with Evgeny Malkin scoring with 18 seconds left. And they had one of their worst losses of the season on Long Island as well, that 2 to nothing Sunday afternoon loss. So it is huge that the Penguins get games 1 and 2 in Pittsburgh. They need to take advantage of it. That's going to be the big thing I'm looking for is a great performance in Game 1 for the Penguins. I want to see all systems go for the Pens in Game 1 to just prove to the NHL that they're here for a long time and for a good time in this postseason. Yeah, you you brought up the stats that I didn't even think to look into. That's um, a great great way of looking at it because we were one of the better home teams, you know, across the league. It's um, mightily important that we take advantage of our home games when we have them, for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, we've had a good time talking about this series, and guess what? We're going to talk about it some more, but we're going to bring on a couple fellas that are going to give us the other perspective from this series. We're going to be joined by the Bar Down Breakdown crew after this quick break. And then, of course, like I said, later we have Kaike joining us for his second appearance on the tip of the iceberg. And then stay tuned as we will finish it off with shout-outs and call-outs. But for right now, we're going to take a break. When we return, we'll have the guys from Bar Down Breakdown. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. Of course, we have already talked in this episode a little bit about the upcoming Pens versus Islanders matchup, but who better to bring on to get the Islanders side of the story than the boys from the Bar Down Breakdown podcast? We have Mikey and Tom with us. How are you boys doing? Good, good, man. Yeah, uh, man. Happy that we got asked to do this because on our podcast, we like to joke that we're not an Islanders podcast, <laughs> even though we are clearly diehard Islander fans, but we don't want to make all our national listeners mad at us if we only talk to Islanders all the time. So I'm I'm ready to Islander out. We're we're repping. We're ready. Yeah, that's one of the issues of having one of the niche shows on uh on this network. You can't you can have your local opinion, but you should be focusing on the national stuff, which is a great show. If anyone hasn't listened to it, I try and pump it on this podcast all the time. 
but obviously clearly I'm also wearing their shirt. Um, <laughs> yeah, we appreciate that, man. Thanks oh, yeah. for the thanks for the love. Yeah, no yeah we're 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 super pumped um, about uh, this upcoming series. It's gonna it's it's gonna be a barn burner, man. Uh, you know, if the regular season taught us anything, it's that uh, you know, eight times looking at each other gives us a good perspective on uh, what we're what we're up against. But uh, you know, you guys kind of uh, had our number, yeah. so I'm, I'm a little a little worried. I mean, we were six and two, but if you look at it, especially at Nassau, we were very close. So uh, I'm sure we'll get into a lot of that too. But at Nassau, it was a very close series. Yeah, we can. Yeah, jump we actually uh, are a very good home team, even mm-hmm. though you know capacity at the arenas on Long Island is like basically nothing. For some reason, they still love playing in that old barn. For some reason, mm-hmm. so once I realized that getting home ice advantage was kind of out of the picture. I was like, you know what? Let's rest up a little bit for this, whoever we played, whether it was you guys or the Capitals, and uh, get the boys healthy and whatnot. So, yeah, I I think you guys have a little bit of an advantage advantage there, the fact that we're not starting the series at home. Well, I mean, we already discussed Nassau a little bit, but how much of a different place is playing at Nassau rather than Barclays? Like, are the Islanders just a different animal when it comes to playing at the Old Barn? Yeah, I mean, and it's it's um, it goes with the territory, right? Because uh, the Barclays Center was really built uh, as a, as really like a, like a basketball arena, right? I mean, the sight lines, at least for the fans in Barclays, are, are pretty terrible. Uh, the ice is always really bad. So, uh, you know, the puck skips and jumps all over the place, but something about the barn, man, uh, you know, having gone to probably, I don't know, 40, 50 games there. And that's probably a, a low ball, but it's, it's insane, man. It's just like the way the sound reverberates off of the, you know, the walls that are bleeding asbestos and all that other fun stuff. that will probably give you cancer at some point. Uh, it's just, there's nothing like it, man. It's, um, the, just the atmosphere in general, it, it's, you know, not not that I'd ever say it's anything comparable to you know the the Seattle's thirteenth man in football, but I mean it's it's close. You know the the atmosphere in that building, uh, you feel like the players feed off of it. And uh, uh, as far as capacity's sake, I know I, I just I think I, we just got an email like a day or two ago or something saying that uh, um, New York has kind of lifted some of its uh, capacity restrictions and they're going to put more people in the barn. So uh, you know I hope that lends itself to a you know a little bit of moxie, but. Um, you know, no matter how crazy the fans are, it just comes down to making plays and, you know, playing that good Islanders hockey. Uh, and, uh, you know, we've gotten away from that the past couple of games. And <clears throat> you could say what you will about it. Maybe you just wanted to rest some guys or, or whatever you were doing. But, um, you know, the Islanders have a game plan. You've seen it all season. You know the kind of hockey they play. And when they're not playing that kind of game, they're not winning games. So got to get back to that fundamentally for sure. Yeah, and I'll just chime in that, yeah, the, the Islanders definitely turn it up a notch when they play at the Coliseum compared to Barclays because all of these players live in Nassau County, which is, you know, 10, 15-minute drive away from the Coliseum, where Barclays, they were they were having the jump on a train, like plane trains and automobiles to get to that <laughs> arena. So uh-huh. yeah. it, it definitely uh, changes their 
pregame routine. And you know hockey players with their pregame routine, man. Like, if anything changes, it throws off their game. But honestly, even though they they uh, the fans didn't love Brooklyn as much, the Islanders actually, their record wasn't terrible at the Barclays Center. Like, even though you would think it would be terrible, it wasn't awful. Like, I, I, they were definitely above 500 when they played there. Well, luckily for you guys, next year you'll have a, a solidified home. You won't have to worry about half here, half there. You'll finally have a place at Belmont Park, and that is something that I, I know everybody that I've talked to that are Islanders fans are very excited to have that. But let's focus in a little bit more on the team now. I know it's been basically a half season at this point, but how large of an impact does the injury to Anders Lee still have on this team right now? Um, he, he's our captain. Um, you know, he, he's not the flashiest captain by any means. Like you, you, you ask a casual hockey fan, who's the captain of the New York Islanders. <clears throat> they probably couldn't tell you, but Islander fans know that he is a Barry Trotz type of player who yep. sticks to the system. He plays that gritty, dirty, not, I don't want to say dirty, but like, you know, grinds it out kind of hockey that Barry Trotz loves. And it, yeah, it was a, it was a huge loss to lose him, especially since he's the captain and it's such a locker room guy. But I think that's why Lou Lamorello made some of those moves to bring in some veterans who've been in the playoffs before with, you know, Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac and even Braden Corbett. Corborn, Corborn, <laughs> he was with the, the Lightning. He actually only played like I think one or two games with us since we brought him in. He's more of like a seventh or eighth defenseman at this point. But yeah, that that Lee injury is, is huge. But hopefully, Kyle Palmieri and and Zajac can help fill the, his shoes a little bit. There's no replacing him. No, all. no, absolutely not. And it was it was a big hit. Um, you know, to, to the chemistry on the ice, I think, too, which, which uh, you know, you can kind of see when Palmieri and Zajac got brought in, they just never really got their their wheels. Um, you know, getting acclimated to a completely different system is is, is tough. And, uh, you know, a lot of Islander fans, I mean, Islander fans are, uh, if they're anything, they're, they're, they're doom and gloom, right? So, I mean, you know, you brought in these, these two guys and they haven't been performing and, you know, Islanders fans are already a, a lot of them at least are already, uh, you know, crying foul and, uh, and, and, you know, trying to tighten their nooses. It's kind of crazy. Uh, but that's, that's just the nature of what it is. I mean, you know, we, you know, as Islanders fans, you, you get so close to something and, you know, anything that tries to run it off the rails, you're just automatically you're, you're, you're going to that dark place, but um, I'm excited to see what uh, those two guys can do in the playoffs. They have that experience. Um, they're, they're tough. Uh, you know, Palmieri obviously is uh, when he's on, he's on. So, you know, I think he's going to be a great asset to us. I think they both are, but it, it losingly sucked. It was uh, it was a big blow. Um, and uh, you just got to hope that, you know, as far as going deep, you know, the Islanders can, can try to do it and, you know, if, if we can't for whatever reason, which is a, a real possibility, you know, you just hope that he gets healed up and, you know, next year is, uh, you know, back and, and ready to ready to do it. So is Zajac and Paul Mary. I mean, do you think they'll have any sort of impact in the postseason? And where have they been playing in the uh, lineup so far? That's that's kind of the 
the issue that Islander fans have is it's kind of been a revolving door of where they've been playing and they haven't mm-hmm. really found their spot yet. You know, it's kind of been just shuffling where they, they play almost every single night. Mm. Um, so I, I think having this little bit of a break as we are waiting for the schedule to finally be announced to when these games are going to start, I think that could help us a little bit for them to have a few extra days of practice because, you know, once they join the Islanders, it, you know, it's pretty much been game after, you know, game every other day yeah. mm-hmm. for the end of the season. So they haven't yep. had as many like full practices as you would hope, you know, a new guy would get. So hopefully these extra days they can uh, start to gel. Yeah, I think that's a, a key factor in this game, too, because if you lose a guy like Lee, you did replace him with Palmieri, who has been a 30-goal scorer in the past, but just hasn't been able to hit that mark this season, whether it be due to COVID issues or, or switching teams and not being able to get acclimated. But I feel like a big storyline, at least on the Penguin side of it, what we've been hearing is everybody trying to harken back to the 2019 series between these two teams. And the big storyline for the Islanders was their depth and specifically the way their fourth line played in that sweep for you guys on Long Island, do you believe they are still going to be able to have that same effect during this postseason that they did two postseasons ago? I'll, I'll jump in there. Um, our fourth line hasn't been the fourth line that everyone knows. You know, Casey Zizekas, at the first season we had Barry Trotz, was putting up like 20-something goals. You know, he was mm-hmm. – he was he was burying goals. He was playing that, you know, grind style hockey. And this season, he just that that line hasn't been the same. However, in the playoffs, when the intensity gets turned up a notch, that's when the, those guys shine. Mm-hmm. And you know, Barry Trotz will throw that line out to start a game to set the yep. tone. Yep. You know, the Islanders let up a soft goal. That's the first line that he's going to send out to mm-hmm. to, to to right the ship. So, yep. yeah, that's our system, man. We 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 don't play flashy hockey. We play boring hockey. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's what we do. So, yeah, I, I I think that they could definitely make a difference in in these playoffs. Um, you know, you guys probably don't know this young star that we have on our team because he's kind of flying under the radar. But Oliver Wallstrom. He's been yeah. He's been a huge addition for us, and mm-hmm. uh, he he could be a difference maker because he loves to shoot the puck, man. He really does. And if he gets hot, as anyone in in the playoffs can, could be dangerous, man. And and uh, I mean, we can use the um, you know the last game the Islanders played against the Bruins as a an indicator of the Islanders needing to shoot the puck. I mean, the Bruins outshot them at one point. I think it was 23 to four. I mean, it was, it was just brutal, you know? Um, And I think that's something that the Islanders have kind of always struggled with, you know, uh, their, their system, their fundamentals of, you know, playing, you know, unsloppy hockey is great, but, you know, you get a power play and you're just passing the puck along and no one's willing to take a shot because they're, worried about where it's going to carry them and if it's going to get back into the other side of the, of the ice is just kind of silly to me. Um, so, you know, we really need the Islanders to step up and take opportunities. And I think uh, a guy like Wallstrom is going to do that. And I think we need to see that out of, uh, out of Palmieri. 
I think we need to see him take some more chances. Um, even if he doesn't have a great line of shite, uh, line of sight rather, just a <laughs> shite. shite. <laughs> um, but even if he doesn't have a great line of sight, man, just just rip something and just, you know, hope that someone can get in front of the net and, and you know, get, get a screen or something and get a puck in the back of the net. It's just uh, – and, you know, playing against you guys with, you know, some of the superstars that you have, it's like you can't let off the gas because – you guys know this more than anyone. I mean, you know, if, if you guys get, you know, if we're not taking these opportunities, because I know Islanders fans are thinking, oh, three on two the other way, we're getting burned, which we are. But if you're not taking those opportunities, um, I mean, you know, at least, you know, if you get a goal or two up, you can get burned once and just be like, all right, dust it off and let's keep going. But uh, that's one of the things I'm, I'm scared about. But the other thing I'm, I'm actually looking forward to is uh, seeing how uh, how Sorokin um, handles the uh, handles the the playoff intensity. Um, you know he's been uh, he, he's had fantastic games. He's had mediocre games. Uh, but you know seeing how he mines the net under like, extreme playoff pressure uh, is really something I'm I'm looking at because Varley, you know he, he's battle tested. You know you kind of know what he can do, and you know he's going to be a superstar for us, but if Sorokin can also be a superstar for us, um, could be tough. Could be real tough. So who do you think is going to start in game one? Because Varley has started six of the eight matchups against the Penguins. I would imagine Trotz goes back to old reliable there. Yeah, so um, in that Boston game, our, our last game of the season, Varley, yeah, played, Varley. Yeah, Varley played the first and second period, and then Sorokin played the third. And... Barry Trotz kind of hinted at like, oh, it was kind of he he tweaked something. It was more of like a maintenance kind of situation. Yeah. Why that he gave the third period to Sorokin. Um, but the past couple of practices that we've had after the season ended, Varley hasn't been out there. And Trotz keeps saying, oh, you know, it's just maintenance days, maintenance days, kind of writing it off. So hopefully that is accurate. But you know, Sorokin has won championships in the KHL. He, he's he been on long runs in the KHL. So it's not like Sorokin is some 18-year-old rookie. You know, he, he's, he's basically a vet at this point, even though it is his rookie season in the NHL. He's not really a rookie. He, he's played competitive hockey over in Russia for years and years and years. So I think that if Sorokin gets hot, and uh, and Varley's not ready to go. It, it's not like we're taking the backseat. And, and Barry Trotz has that goalie tandem where he will put in any goalie any any night, and he doesn't really change his game plan much. We don't have like a a, a starter and a backup. It's a one A one B situation with the Islanders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I know you guys have gone over it a lot, but. How much of this Islanders squad, how, how much of their identity is different than uh, the team the Penguins got swept by two years ago? Not too much, uh, other than the fact that we now have Pajot. You, you got to mix Pajot into that now, and uh, and, and, and Zajac and Palmieri. Uh, other than that, this is this is the New York Islanders of of that you know 2019 team that we swept you guys. Mm-hmm. But I think um, I think something to to be very cognizant of 
so that 2019 Islanders team was kind of like, how do I put it? Almost like the team that was finally built that no one thought could that could, right? So, you know, here they come into 2019 and they kind of, you know, surprise you guys and fool you guys a little bit. But, you know, now two years ahead of it, you know, the Islanders, you know, with, with their run last year and and now being uh, pretty much from the beginning of the season being a contender, you know, I, I get those doom and gloom feelings, unfortunately, where like, you know, if we're not taking this seriously enough, you know, all of a sudden two games go by and, you know, you guys nail us down and all of a sudden our backs are against the wall. But I, I think the Islanders love to play that kind of game. You know, they're, you know, when they're feeling pressured and their backs are up against the wall, because I feel like that team thrives on that. And I think that is a lot of what got brought into 2019, you know, after, um, you know, you know, long, obviously long after Tavares left, but I mean, it's the Islanders have always played with that kind of chip on their shoulder because of that, you know, superstar goes, everyone else tries to pull together, you know, to, to make a, a case for this team. And, Barzi ends up being the superstar, but now it's almost like 2021. You've got a team with a couple of really strong players. You know, let's not rest on our laurels. Let's try to be, you know, as competitive as we can. Cause I could see it. I could see it happening, man. I could see, you know, the Islanders taking a game one from you guys, you know, a couple of goal difference and being like, yeah, this is great. And then all of a sudden you guys smash us in the face for four straight. And it's just like, well, uh, you know, so I'm, uh, you know, I, I think this is such a cool and I've said it on our podcast, but I think this is such a cool year, uh, even though it was a shortened season. I mean, it's like we've had eight opportunities to see each other. So this is going to be like really smash mouth kind of stuff. And uh, what makes it even more interesting is whoever comes out of our division like is walking into like a complete hell vortex of who the, who the hell knows what's going on. So, you know, whether it's us or you guys, um, I guess I can ask that question to you. I mean, usually I just, you know, I'm used to asking questions. I forgot that I'm a guest, but I'm going to ask you guys a question anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, what, like, what's your outlook on that? So, you know, you guys, let's say you get past us, you get past the caps. If they get past the Bruins, now you're playing a team that you haven't seen in four months. What's the strategy? Uh, I'm assuming there's a long feeling out process to start. Maybe the entire first game because you've gone a whole season without seeing them. Um, and it's not even like the Blue Jackets made it. We could think maybe like we've seen them a lot. Maybe it's that they make it through. It's teams we haven't seen that much. So it, it'll be a feeling out process for sure. I don't know what you do after that, though. Just hope for Carolina because you've actually played them a decent amount in the Car- recent yeah. memory. But other than that, no, it's 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 a crapshoot, and I think that's why, like you said, it's one of the most interesting playoffs that has happened in a long time because you're gonna have these great first couple of rounds because these teams hate each other and they've built up that through eight games, and then all of a sudden it is a completely blank slate for the last two rounds with what's probably gonna be four absolutely outstanding teams and four completely different styles. So it, it is a little bit of a crapshoot, but I think that makes it all the better. Absolutely. I'm, I'm excited for it. Now, I don't want to get ahead of it. I don't want to write us off quite yet, Tom. Like, <laughs> I don't <laughs> well, think I'm not, pay... I'm not so, trying to write us off, but I'm even just trying though, to... 
every know. national media outlet has already favored the Penguins like substantially. Like like yeah. I'm seeing over sixty percent in favor of the of the Penguins, where that is just fueling Barry Trotz and and the Islanders. Like of course that's how the Islanders like to play. They like to be the underdog. They like when everyone is picking the Penguins or everyone's picking the opponent over them. So I I I, I would love to be a fly in the locker room and at these practices <laughs> to see just how pumped up they're getting right now. It's funny because it's the same story as 2019. It's, oh, the Islanders made the playoffs and they've played well, but, you know, the Penguins are the Penguins. But the last two years, the Penguins have been 1-7 in seven in eight playoff games. So it's not like the Penguins. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And it's not like Mike Sullivan has that great of a track record against Barry Trotz. They're 2-2 two and two against each other overall. And with the Islanders, Trotz is 1-0. and oh. So it, it's a close matchup. And we had always said that, listen, this is the most favorable matchup for the Penguins in this division. That doesn't mean it's easy. That means they can never play well against Boston. And I think it was close between Washington and the Islanders, but the only reason is because we'd have home ice advantage is why it's favorable because of the discrepancy with that. So it's going to be a great series. And we talked about 2019 and about how it's the same team. One of the players that is still on the Islanders from that team is Jordan Eberle, who seems to turn into Connor McDavid when he plays the Pittsburgh Penguins. Do you guys see him being an X-Factor in this series? So Tom hates him. I'll just (laughs) come right out and say it. Tom is like the pessimistic Islander fan who hates like 99% of the Islanders. I don't even know who you like on the Islanders. No, so I don't don't hate 99% of the Islanders, but Jordan Eberle uh, just stunk it up, man. In, in the you know in, in the playoffs last year it was just like it was just like where was he you know and and like this is a guy that you know he's getting a decent amount of money and uh you know you, you want him to show up you can't just show up in the regular season and then just be like all right I did my job I'm just gonna you know sort of sit here like a goopy pile of goop and just do nothing <laughs> that's just like that's just kind of how I felt last year now to be honest, uh, you know, Everly has, has played pretty well in the regular season, and I have, you know, high hopes for him. Uh, but I'm building myself up to be let down. But again, that's the that's the pessimistic Islander fan in me. But Jordan Everly, um, I mean, he's got to come out and and be a Penguin killer. If he if he can be, excellent. I will send him a, you know, I'll send him a pie in the mail or whatever you do. For someone that you really love, that's what I'll do. But um, I, I don't know. I mean, if the Islanders were able to make it past you and Eberly wasn't a factor in that, um, I'm just probably going to go right back to hating his guts. But um, I'm I am really you know excited to see uh, to see what Pajot is going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I felt like he lit up the ice. Uh, I think he is kind of the dark horse in 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 the whole Islanders organization in terms of uh, being a um, you know, other than Barzi being like a, a, a gritty centerpiece that they can rally around. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that he is going to be one of the, the determining factors in whether we're going to be competitive. Um, and I kind of feel like, you know, if the first couple of games start to unfold and he's not competitive, that could sort of be like a, 
like a tell, you know? Uh, and, and I don't want to think of it that way, but that's just kind of where my brain goes. But um, I think it's, it's really going to be interesting, but um, just hope that, that Eberly connects and, and is able to do something. But uh, uh, as far as who I like on the Islanders, Michael. Yeah. What, what's um, this 1%? I want to hear it. Um, I mean, look, I'm a, I'm a JGP guy. I love him ever since he's come onto the team. He's been probably one of my favorites, but uh, I've grown into being a Bailey guy. You know, I, I, I was like all the other millions of Islanders fans who, you know, wanted to soccer chant Bailey out of the building, but he's, you know, become, you know, one of the most important players on our team. And I, I lo- I'm a Beauvillier guy. I love him too. He's got a great name. It's fun to say. It's got a lot of letters in it, you know, but, um, you know, his performance, he's, he's been another guy who just kind of like, you know, under the, I don't want to say under the radar, maybe under the radar for non-Islander fans, you know, because he's not a big name, but um, you know, the stuff that he's done for this team has been, it's been really excellent. So if it can only just do it an entire season, he is yeah. probably our streakiest. Yeah. He's, goal he's hot and cold. He is. He's very hot and cold. So hopefully he's just extremely hot to start. Tommy, uh, I don't, Sorry about that. I didn't want to cut you off. No, no. I, I, I don't know where I was going with that. Oh, no. You're, I was about to say, Tommy, I don't know about a pie, but you could always send them some merch as far as Eberly. I mean, we could. I, I think we got – what do we got? We got two uh, – do we have two of the jaw shirts left? I could send him a jaw shirt. I don't think he'd wear it. He'd probably be like, oh, this is this is cool. He definitely uh, only likes country music. Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah. But, that's, that's a shame. No. For the Penguins, a lot of the storyline this year has been the first line, and it's been one of the best first lines in hockey, and I feel like somewhat still underrated with Rust, Crosby, and Gensel. But who do you see Trotz lining up against them to try to stop them or at least slow them down? I could see the the Pajot line, just because mm-hmm. I don't know if the fourth line can hang with them all, all game. Like, no, they're not, they're they're just, not fast enough. They're not fast enough at yeah. this point. You know, they're getting a little bit old in that in that aspect. So I don't know if the the fourth line would be able to to hang with them. So maybe that Pajot line. Um, but, dude, you you guys said uh, we have a penguin killer. Like, I never even knew that the Islanders <laughs> had a player like that. You know, maybe you guys, that's like a talking point on, on Penguins Twitter, but I wouldn't consider, you know, Eberly a penguin killer by any means. But you guys have a ton of Islanders killers, like, Dude, Sidney Crosby, I'm pretty sure, and we're not, like, stack guys at all, but I think I saw, like, NBC Sports, and one of those big networks put out, like, the teams that Sidney Crosby has scored the most mm-hmm. goals against, and the Islanders were either number one or, like, number two. I, like, I think they're number one, yeah. And the yes. Flyers are two. Yeah, so, like, Sidney Crosby kills us. And the past couple of years, man, Rust, too, man, he's been, like – yeah, you know I'm not gonna lie. I don't watch a ton of Penguins games. The only Penguins games I watch are when you guys are playing us, and it seems like he's like the past two seasons has scored pretty much every game he's played us. So he's an Islander killer now. You know, Evgeny Melkin is is not as much, but I, I, he he buries him against us too. So <laughs> yeah, you guys definitely have a bunch of Islander killers. Yeah, for sure. Well. Well, we'll see how it all goes, but I could we couldn't have you guys on here and not have me ask you one quick music question. Um, and this will be a simple one for the fans of Pittsburgh. Who is the best band to come out of the city of Pittsburgh? 
Tom, you want to go first or you want me to go? Um, you can go first because I'm trying to think of Pittsburgh bands right now. That, that kid that wrote the bitch lasagna song. <laughs> Do you guys know that song or is that I only like, no. what? Oh, I'd have to, man. I, I, that's what's so cool about Twitter is like you follow your like people that are like in the aisle on your teams, like I yeah. guess side. And that last series, this like 10 year old kid tried to make a diss track about the New York Islanders and it was called bitch lasagna. And it's amazing. So that that better play on this episode because it's so good. And the kids, the kids probably like in high school now, and he's probably so embarrassed of it. But it's so funny because he's probably never stepped foot on Long Island and doesn't know anything about it. So he's like, "Oh, stereotypical like Italian people on Long Island. Let's make this song, bitch lasagna." But that was just a a joke answer. My Mm -hmm. my real answer will be, uh, I guess, punchline. Punchline yeah, okay, is, yeah. is probably my my Pittsburgh band. Yeah, um, I mean, I um, I know uh, I think Anti Flagger from from yeah. Pittsburgh or at least oh, yeah. around Pittsburgh, but that's not going to be my answer. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say that the probably the most brutal band uh, that could get you the most pumped for any hockey game or for anything would be Code Orange. Mm-hmm. Um, Code Orange uh, is forever. And I mean, like, dude, uh, I, I, I just, I think that if you walked into the arena and you handed the sound guy any Code Orange song and said, "Hey, uh, play this," and uh, not have your fans break a bunch of faces, it would be impossible. Uh, but I mean, they're just brutal. They're they're rough and tumble. They're breakdowns are gnarly they're just fantastic and to boot i mean you know whenever you think of hardcore bands you always think of a bunch of dudes you know with their shirts off muscles out and shit but i mean you've got a bunch of skinny scrawny guys and then you got reba who's just ripping face uh you know and is probably the most uh the toughest of of anyone out there and uh i just man i love them so that's my answer code orange and uh all I could tell you is, um, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> um, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a rough series. It, yep. it is. I mean, I, 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 that's all I can say is, um, you know, it, it's, it's going to break one of our hearts, you know, <laughs> either, either the, either the, the top half of this screen or the bottom half. But, um, but I, I think what I'm really looking forward to is how the, how the series is played and how it, uh, how it ends up resounding because I, you know, I could easily see this going six or seven and being one of the, like one of the premier matchups just because a lot of people aren't taking it as seriously, you know, just because, you know, we're the New York Islanders that are limping into the playoffs and, you know, the Pittsburgh Penguins are, are, you know, are, are, are not the Pittsburgh Penguins. They were, you know, 10 years ago. And I I really hope that on that national stage, uh, you know, we could show all these, SOBs that like this is the hockey you want to watch, you know, because mm-hmm. like a lot of people are going to be like, oh, let's watch the Caps and Bruins. And, you know, like, <laughs> you know, the Bruins are terrible. I just, I just, I don't care for ever watching Bruins hockey. Um, I, if, you know, we have an old friend of ours that we went to high school with who loves the Bruins. And every time I think of the Bruins, I think of him. And I think that also makes me not want 
to like the Bruins because I just think <laughs> of him like picking his nose and being like, well, the Bruins are great. And I just can't handle it. So I want this to be good, good hockey. I want it to be a good series. And I mean, you know, I'm not going to lie. I, I want to come out victorious, but I think uh, we got to make this the series to watch. I really oh, yeah. do. I definitely see a path for that, but thank you guys for joining us. We appreciate you coming on and giving us the Islanders perspective. We appreciate you not giving us the easy answer of the Clarks when we asked about the Pittsburgh band. And do you, do, do you know that story? So I mentioned punchline mm-hmm. and uh, the Penguins reached out to punchline and asked them to do like a, uh, I guess uh, kind of like a Stanley cup, like ho- welcome home song. Yeah. Yeah. And, Punchline went and recorded it and everything, and then the Penguins are like, all right, thanks for doing that. We're going to go with the Clarks, though. <laughs> Berlanski was one of your favorites. It was the uh, – oh, It was What I... a Wonderful World. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So Punchline actually went into the studio, recorded that and everything, and then they mm-hmm. were just like, nope, we're going to use this other version. Sorry, yep. guys. <laughs> you lose. Good day, sir. <laughs> That's amazing. But, guys, like I said, thank you for joining us. I want to give you guys a couple minutes to just – Pump whatever you want to pump. Let us, our fans, know where they can find you on social media and what's coming up for the Bar Down Breakdown. Tom, you you got that mm-hmm. unlocked, dude. Yeah. So, um, just like you know, you guys, we were you know proud uh, members of the Hockey Podcast Network. So, uh, you can jump on there. Uh, you can find us. Uh, we are also on all of the you know your favorite f- places that you can find your podcast. We're on um apple uh podcast we're uh google podcast uh spotify stitcher all those great places um you can also catch uh the video iterations on youtube we've got a youtube channel for that and of course uh all of our awesome guests uh, that we have on is where uh you know a, a music and hockey crossover podcast we uh compile all the music of uh all the great arts we have on there and we have a great spotify playlist so uh you can go check that out the bar down breakdown uh pop punk uh playlist that you can find just pop that right into your spotify machine and um yeah we're 115 episodes deep and we're super stoked uh the last episode uh we did was uh with steve steve from 408 408. yeah great orlando band um and um go listen to that because he told maybe one of the greatest stories about a bachelor party that i've ever heard in my life um i'm really jealous but uh that's what we do man we're just uh two two dopes on the slopes as they say you know we just uh you know we we love hockey we love music we don't uh know much about uh stats so we're always going to get beat in that department but you know that's just our style and i guess we'll break it on here um our our guest that on our 116th episode is actually a penguins fan nice for a great scranton pennsylvania band the magwas so they uh that episode will be dropping on tuesday so if you want to hear us breaking down the uh the series and and all of that talking music as well mm-hmm. definitely tune in i'm sure all of our fans are going to tune into that to hear a Penguins fan as well, be able to go out there and hopefully the Penguins have a lead. Hopefully there's a game played in this series at that point. But one last time, thank you guys for joining. Oh, and thank you so much for having us, guys. We really appreciate you. What's up, everybody? This is Taylor and Brendan from Straight Up Sabres of the Hockey Podcast Network. Things are not going very well in Sabreland uh, this season or really for the past 10 years or so. However... We here at Straight Up Sabres are so excited to keep bringing you guys 
the latest Sabres news with everything ranging from interviews with some of your favorite Twitter followers all the way up to former players and everything in between. We have got you covered with your weekly coverage of the Buffalo Sabres. That's right. We got a lot coming up uh, through the rest of the season and into the offseason. Who's going to coach the team next year? Uh, is Kevin Adams going to have a new boss? Will he be a president of hockey operations? Will there be an assistant GM? Are they going to fill out their scouting staff? How many times will I cry next to Maybe zero. I'm dead inside. Will Jack Eichel be here? Sam Reinhardt going to get extended? You know, all this and more on Straight Up Sabres. Exciting stuff. So make sure you're checking us out wherever you're listening to podcasts and following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram at Straight Up Sabres and on Twitter at Straight Sabres. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. We are joined now by a recurring guest, Kaike from Pittsburgh Sports Brazil is here again to talk playoff hockey and Pittsburgh Penguins. How are you doing, Kaike? I'm doing pretty good, Nick. Thank you so much for having me here again. Really happy. Our team is, is division champions. It hasn't happened for a while. And not only champions, but doing pretty well, especially in the, in the final sprint of the season. So we're excited. We are excited. That is for sure. I mean, you mentioned it already. It's our first division champions. It's been a while. I believe it's 13, 14. 14. 13 yeah, 14. Yeah. Exactly. It's been a while. And that was the, is that the shortened, last shortened season? No, that was the year after. It was the year after. I always get the confused. But yes, it's been a while for sure. It's been a Capitals division to say the least. <laughs> no matter what division it's been, it's been the Capitals division, even switching into the Metropolitan. But to take it away from the Pittsburgh Penguins really quickly before we get into everything black and gold, I wanted to ask you, how will the NHL's new TV deals with ESPN and Turner Media affect international fans such as yourself in Brazil? I mean, is this a good deal for you guys or is it a bad thing? So we don't have much of information yet. Um, the, the, the When Disney brought up the other media around here, it, it changed some things, it, it mixed mix up a lot of things but we still don't have that very clear information it seems like we're gonna have more uh, with the SPN plus especially because they are gonna try to introduce here this year in the country now so for us it could be much better I think um, so we're still ex waiting for more information I think this hits more uh, North American market for, for a while here things always takes a little bit longer to get like Disney plus for example only arrived here in Brazil like six or seven months after in the U.S., so we're going to have to wait a little bit more to, to know. But we're definitely excited that it could bring us more games on TV, more coverage as well, because we, we want this and we need this. We talked it's, last time a little bit. Oh, sorry, Horwick, go ahead. You're good. I was going to say, it's, we're definitely excited up here as well. I mean, just for the more coverage on it, the wider audience. I mean, uh, the more money that's being funneled into it um, can only benefit, you know, it, it'll benefit the league. And it'll be interesting to see if this really does uh, grow the game in other countries and especially a country like Brazil. That's one thing I'm certainly looking forward to. Yeah, that, that I think this for you guys in, in, the, in the North American market, I think this is a big thing because I think for us here and most people that watch for a long time now and understand the business a little bit, it could be the push that the, the league definitely needed to, to spend a little bit. As you said, they are aiming for international markets like China uh, they have a strong fan base in Sweden, Finland, etc. So now actually it could be 
in the in the US, it still has to grow a lot more, and so it could be the the push they definitely needed. I know the last time we talked, you mentioned how it can be difficult to follow the teams at times just because accessibility to live games and, and stuff such as that is difficult. So as soon as this deal came across and I saw how many games are going to be available on ESPN+, and then I believe there's also an HBO Max feature that might be brought in with Turner, um, I, I immediately started thinking of you guys and you in particular down in Brazil. And when you told me that, and I said, I hope this is something that helps international fans as well because... While the game still needs to grow in North America, it, not necessarily in Canada, but in the United States, it needs to grow internationally as well. And I think hopefully the NHL does a good job of doing that through this new deal with ESPN. So I'm excited for you as well. No, definitely because like ESPN Plus has a has a good cost actually, if you compare. Because right now the the dollar for us it's quite it hurts quite a, quite a while. So the NHL TV is quite expensive and many young people cannot, will not be able to afford it. So you have to record to different manners to, to watch the games. So if you have the plus, if the prices are a little bit like more flexible and a little bit cheaper as well, it brings a lot more. It, not, it brings not only the NHL. That's the good part of it. And that's what could make a difference when someone thinks about maybe signing up for, for a service. Yeah, well. That'll be all fun, and we're all excited to see what happens for because it's going to be a, pos a net positive for the league, at least in uh, the near future. But cutting back to the Penguins, um, obviously they're going to the playoffs, and people were counting them out at the beginning of the year. Did they exceed your ex expectations from what you thought they were going to do uh, at, the at the beginning of the season? And uh, if so, where did they excel? Uh, well, <clears throat> we are always uh, slow starters. We spoke about this the, the last time I was here. But I think people underestimated us a lot, like too much, in my opinion. Of course, I didn't, I didn't expect to win the division because we knew the Flyers were coming really hot from last season. Capitals are, are always a, a very regular team during regular season. And the, Bru the Bruins as well, as though they, they lost some pieces. But I didn't expect this. But they exceeded, I think, in the again, like last season, until three weeks to the end of the season. We managed to reinvent ourselves during the hardest times. We lost Gino for a long for a long time. We lost a lot of players in the in the defense for a long time, and we always managed to reinvent ourselves. To uh, the guy that came up to to fill that that hole did greatly, and we had a lot of names developing and becoming probably now uh, like they're gonna be around for the next the next years like. Matson, CC, they were guys that were really questioning. People were really thinking about like, oh my God, this contract of Matson, oh, CC again. Uh, and I think we found our base in the third and fourth line. We missed this for a couple of years now since, uh, yeah, since Hagelin, Bonino, and uh, this guy's left team. Not Hagelin because he was traded, but Bonino, for example, when he left in the market, he, he left us a huge hole to be filled and we couldn't. Uh, so now I think we, we got there again. We have a really great third line. We have a really, really great fourth line or whatever. But mm -hmm. it was gonna, we're going to get there. We're going to get there soon. So I think this was the main cause of that. Our season was so good because we managed to reinvent ourselves when we needed. We managed to. And then the, the stars came up. Crosby, what a season he had. Of course, he gets a little bit in the shadows of 100 points in 50, 53 games. Of course, it's not the same, but yeah. still, he, he led the team 
he was there when we needed and he put the guys up rust came again a tremendous season jake extremely regular and the other guys down on the second and third line as i said so fantastic season in my opinion uh one of the best regular seasons i had the chance to see because of this of seeing the team developing again and getting there so i i'm 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 excited to the playoffs definitely this is uh we we, we didn't we didn't lose the heat like last season because we were really hot and then in two weeks we went like i don't know last 10 we went three to seven in the last 10 games this season is i think is a little bit different so for me it was a fantastic season to see as a fan and of course that garnered them an east division title and presumably starting the playoffs at home hopefully at some point this weekend as we mentioned but what are your expectations for the postseason do you see them as a team that could go and do all go all the way i mean it's what do you expect from them let's start out not only that but let's start out in the first round what do you expect from them once they enter the postseason so I think the first round for us, uh, I think it's probably going to be the Islanders. It's very, very hard. That it's going to change. I think we faced them eight times. We won six. We know regular season is nothing more or less, but we are in a better moment than they are now. So what I mentioned before that we lo- we, lo- we lose the heat last season. We went a little bit cold in the end. That just happened to them as well. They were coming really hot. They were first in division. Then they were starting to just go down, down, down. So we are in different moments, and I think this could make a difference. We're going to have home ice, and our team is a little bit more experienced than than their teams. Of course, they are extremely well coached. Barry Trotz does a fantastic job because that is a team that doesn't have much of a star power. Of course, Barz always a fantastic player, but I think he's the lone guy there as, as a star power guy. And still, they are coming across. They are winning great games. They managed to get conference final last year. So I think we just... If we, if we go against them, mistakes is something that we definitely have to make as less as possible because they are a vulture team, as I like to say. They will take every mistake you make and turn against us. So I really think that first round for us could be uh, not easy, but it's something that I think we can go through with, without getting too worried too much or thinking about a seven-game series right on, right on the start. Yeah, I mean, every player can have an impact, but um, you know, the recent acquisition of Jeff Carter has already changed the team for the better. I think. I think. Um, how would you describe that uh, that move to acquire a player like him? And do you think he's going to make a huge impact this uh, this uh, postseason? Well, Nick, definitely, that's the guy that knows how to win, and he's experienced enough to this. And as you said, he brought something that. It's incredible. To, I don't know. It's like nine uh, nine goals in fourteen games. It's something. Mm-hmm. You, you can see his. That's that's the thing. He, you can see his presence on the ice, and even it's he's now third line, and he's still he, he's making an impact, and that's what we need. So a guy like that with the guys that he's probably gonna play along. That's gonna be Goodrow and uh, it's McCann who's playing to get, together with. So. You don't, you don't find many third lines like that around the league. So I, I expect Jeff to be of great impact as he's been doing right now. And that's something that can make a difference. For me, playoffs, when, when you're thinking about winning a title, you have you, you must have four lines playing the game. You can't have one line just to be on the ice, just to make uh, that, just to be there and not doing much. You're just checking people. Or, so 
definitely Carter was a huge acquisition. I really didn't expect this much of impact for, and for us, it was a great deal. It's, yes. it's bargain. It's two, two conditional choices and half the salary is retained. So it's the guy that we could use this season and the next probably. And wow. And, and, and like we said before, the, the last time I was here, I didn't know what we could do. I really mm-hmm. didn't because it, it was not very obvious the kind of movement that we could make. And we made just the movement that we talk, we talk about the very the more or less let's say symbolical one like mm. some experienced guy that could come in and just maybe help a little bit uh, turned out to be a very really good very uh, sorry and it turned out to be uh, of really good help. It's kind of weird because we switched from Jim Rutherford, who was more we're gonna get quantity when it comes to bringing in new players. And Ron Hextall goes out and says, you know what? Screw quantity. We're going to bring in one player, and we're going to bring that quality. Like you said, nine goals in 14 games to finish the regular season. It's definitely a good start, and we do luckily have Jeff Carter under contract for next season, so we'll get to see him play for the Penguins again next year, but we'll see what he can do in the postseason. But this he might even be the answer to this next question that I have for you, because we've always had an offensive surprise hero in the playoffs whenever the Penguins have been successful. In 2016, it was Nick Bonino and, to a larger extent, the HBK line. In 2017, it was Jake Gensel, the way that he was able to just fire on all cylinders and surprise everyone. Who do you think would be that surprising offensive hero this postseason for the Penguins? Jared McCann. Okay. I think he is ex- he's an extremely good season. Uh, he's been very decisive. He fit he fit extremely well in our power, our power play, and more or less everything we needed in the power play. It seems like McCann brought in, mm-hmm. and he's scoring he's scoring a lot of goals and important ones as well. So for me, it's the kind of guy down there in the third line as Bonino was, uh, as uh, as Hagelin as well was on that on that year. I think McCann is the one that could. It's the playmaker down there in the in the bottom six. So. For me, is the guy to to keep an eye on for this playoffs. I really like that answer, actually, Brilinski. If you were asking me that question, I think I would have stumbled onto that one at some point. That's a great answer because he's also such a power play presence too, McCann. He's got um, such an ability there. But I got to know, uh, Kaiki, what um, do you feel confident in Tristan Jari in his first postseason as the as the starter? It is his net now. Uh, well, he. Yeah, he, he didn't have a really nice start of the season. Uh, we we got there, but he picked his game. He he picked up his game during the season every time more. Uh, really, he really great performances. Of course, one or two bad performances in the middle of it. It's completely normal for a goalie. We know how how this works. Uh, I have the trust in him definitely. Uh, I it's and 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 of course it's it's what we have. It's what we have now. We we can't like keep thinking like oh maybe Jerry is not the answer. We, we're there now. We have Jerry. We have the Smith. Both guys are coming in extremely well lately. So for me, Jerry is the guy, uh, and he he proved himself during this season. Also, bouncing back from an extremely bad start, like he was under he was under 0.900 in saves. So it's a, it, it was extremely bad numbers, but he bounced back and he's doing extremely well in my opinion. So it's the guy that we can trust. We have a couple guys coming back from injury, and I don't want to put the cart before the horse because Mike Sullivan is Fort Knox when it comes to actually knowing whether these guys are coming back or not. But 
Are you more excited to see the return of Brandon Tanev to the lineup or the return of Mike Matheson to the lineup for the Pens? That's a hard one. Uh, I would go, I would go with Tanev because despite the last games, Friedman is a, is a solid guy as well. It's, it's, it was a great, great found for us, definitely. But with Tanev back, then we have what was, what I was trying to tell before that I said that we were going to get here. Then we have an extremely complete team because we can either choose to have McCann, Carter, or Goudreau as a third line, or we can choose them as a fourth line. So it doesn't matter. Either way, we're going to have Ashton Rees, Tanev, and Bluger as third or fourth line. So you can, can you imagine these three guys? They were playing mostly as a third line, and they were swallowing everyone on their, on their way in this third line. There was no match for them. They were, like, destroying everyone on the ice. So can we imagine that we can put these three guys as fourth line? They could make a huge impact for us in, in this in this postseason. So that's why I'm excited to see. I, I really want Tanev back now because I want to see how this is going to play. I really don't think Sullivan is going gonna, is gonna to go too far ahead, too far from this. It can't, it can't be. Goudreau just can't left the team right now the way he's been playing. So... My opinion is Tanev, Bluger, and Ashton Reese is our fourth line right now, and I can't wait to see these guys playing against some goons that we have around that can't actually play in the other team. So, <laughs> yeah, it's it's gonna be fun seeing them back together. I mean, they were always just a a great force to you know to watch. Even even if they make defensive play fun to watch, you know, it's that's how they've been putting it up, and who knows what it is, but. Um, do you think this team has the ability to go all the way? Just as simple as that. <laughs> we do. We do. I think uh, inside inside our division, uh, it's um, let's let's uh, not 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 easy, but it is an easier way inside the division. I think it's it's always going to be depends, of course, it's, if you're not on the West. But once if if we get the title for if you if you win the division now, if we go to the semifinals. Then it then starts to get a little bit tricky. Then our our experience is gonna have to show. Then the big guys are gonna have to show because then we're gonna have yeah we can say Carolina, extremely fast and skilled team to play against. Uh, then you're gonna have Vegas, uh, Colorado, or so. Then you see that you see that the levels the level changes. Of course, mm -hmm. our division was it, it was uh, very bad, very even more or less. But it's different. We don't have an extremely fast team, for example, playing against us every night. Like Boston is more, more about it's more about physicality. So is Washington, uh, and New York is more about uh, organized and trap defense. So as soon as we start to go against teams like yeah, the Avalanche, Vegas, uh, the Hurricanes that are faster teams, for example, Lightning or Panthers, depending who goes through. Then I think it's when we might have huge problems uh, if we go through the semifinals and then eventually ahead. So for me, we can get there. We can get to the semifinals. It's not it's not the hardest way to get to the semifinals. But once we're there, then we're gonna have to be we're gonna have to be perfect. In 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 that stage, we won't be able to make mistakes because teams like Vegas, you see what what they can do when people commit mistakes against them. It's funny that you say that because it is going to be tough no matter what. And you mentioned that the division's not easy, but 
if you can manage to get out of this division, then it even gets even harder for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I would be able to fashion a guess as the fact that if the Penguins would be able to run the table this year, in 2021, it would be their toughest road to a championship compared to the other five titles that they've had. 91, 92, 2009, 16, and 17. None of them would be a gauntlet like what we might see if the Penguins get the whole way through because we... You, we both mentioned it. The division is tough already. But then those teams that are going to get to the conference finals and the teams that are going to make it to the Stanley Cup finals, there's not going to be a weak link in any of the four opponents that you would have to face. So I love that you mentioned it like that. Yeah, no, it's uh, as you said, for me, it's the, it's going to be the hardest. The team the team that lives the Stanley Cup this year, they, can, they, will, they absolutely can claim that they have gone through the, the hardest path to get there because it's it's amazing the and, and it's really and i really like this i hope i hope the league changes the scenarios for the next years of course not 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 love it how it is right now but it, it makes things a little bit better more competitive and the surprise as well we don't know more or less what's what can happen right now if you go through to the semifinals, it, it will depend who wins it so you can always have new confront new confrontations going on so it's, it's i think this is nice it brings it brings something else to the game as well. We mentioned that on our last episode. Go ahead, Horwat. I was like, yeah, it'll be a ton of fun. I was going to jump in and even saying, um, who do you think will come out of the other divisions? Who do you got? Who do you, who do you expect? Oof. Uh, on the West, I, I go with Vegas. I think their their season was as well fantastic. No injuries this time, uh, as they had last year. That they, they missed a lot of guys, missed a lot of games. Uh, Canada, I think Toronto is gonna. It's ah, it's a trick division too. Bad <laughs> because Toronto is of course they they were the best they were the better team in the division of course but it's it's Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know what I mean. Yep. It's Toronto. So of course they are the better team. Matthews is in an outstanding season. But still Toronto, and we know that they don't have much of a mind. That's why they brought guys like Thornton, uh, Simmons, now Foligno as well. So I mm-hmm. think these guys could help lift lift them and like carry them during these tricky times that they can get into. Um, in the central, uh, I'll, I'll, I'm very curious about the the Panthers. Mm-hmm. It's a very exciting team. In my my opinion, I think they have a shot in that in, in that division. I, I would go with them. And I think that would be that. And I'll, I'll yeah. bet on us. I'll, I'll, I'll always bet on us, especially in in a, in a season like that. Uh, I will be lying to you if I say that I'll bet. I'll bet someone else. I like that. I would love to see those four teams in a conference final. No matter who's facing who, that would be premier hockey action right there. But Kaike, thank you so much for joining us. We knew you messaged us and you said, remember, you said you'd have me on during the playoffs. And I was like, oh, I remember. Trust me. We were re- we were ready to, to send that message right back to you. So we thank you for joining us again. Uh, let our listeners know what is coming up for you guys at Pittsburgh Sports Brazil and what's coming up for you personally as well. So, guys, thank you so much for having me here again. Huge pleasure. So let's try if I make uh, now it's my t- my time to make uh, my turn to make the invitation. If we make to if we make the semifinals. I want to have one of you or two, the two of you on our podcast now. The last since the last time I was here, we launched the Igloo Cast. It's the first Brazilian podcast about the Penguins. 
So for us next, we're gonna make a, we're probably gonna have the show next week to to analyze the, the our possible confrontation for the for the playoffs. Who is gonna be our opponent? So thank you so much once again, and yeah, let's go, Pens. It's time. I think I could speak for both of us in saying we would have so much fun joining you on the Igloo cast, and we cannot wait. Hopefully, the Penguins get to those conference finals so we can be talking about a Pens. I don't know, hurricanes, lightning, literally give us anybody. We'll love it no matter as long as we're there. But Kaike, thank you one last time for coming on. My pleasure, guys. My pleasure. Until next time then. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. It has been an amazing episode and we're not quite done yet. Thank you to the boys from Bar Down Breakdown for joining us. Thank you to Kaike from Pittsburgh Sports Brazil for joining us. We love to have so many guests on here to preview the Stanley Cup playoffs. I was going to say we should make our official picks during this show, but we don't have the whole picture as of yet. We'll make our official picks for Monday, even though some games will have been played, specifically that Capitals-Bruins game on Saturday night, which I am hyped to see that series. But let's finish the show with shout-outs and call-outs. Horwat, I'll let you bat lead off here and give us your shout-out for the week. Oh man, I, I alluded to it at the beginning of the episode. I'm I'm shouting out this time off that we have between the last game of the season and our first game of the playoffs because I've had things to do. I'm working two jobs, and it's nice having some time off. It's nice not knowing when the stress is going to be hitting, um, and basically, it's also nice knowing that you know I don't have to clear my calendar for things yet. Not quite yet. I can still schedule things. You know, I can't be like, oh yeah, I can't go to that. I don't know. What can I go to? Can't go to the zoo with your nephew. I don't know. I got nothing here. I don't, people don't come to me with plans. I'm just saying. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's kind of nice just being able to relax, man. I moved. This is the first one I can really say this. The setup is done. Uh, mm-hmm. We did that Kaike interview before this was kind of all done. So it feels a little better here, but, um, and everyone saw, I, mean, I sure hope so. Everyone saw that image of me in bed recording. Um, that last episode, I have definitely seen the clips of it. That looked brutal. But, uh, <laughs> hey, we're back to normal. It's nice having some time off. And hey, another thing, team-wise, everyone's getting healthy. Mm-hmm. That's the big reason for the, that I'm shouting out this time off. Everyone's getting healthy. Will it slow people down a little bit because you're not at game speed? Maybe a little. Maybe a little. But it's the playoffs. You can. That's the easiest way to get up to game speed. Let's give us like five, the first five minutes of that game to get there because we mm-hmm. do have this week off, but it's the playoffs. Everyone's going to be amped. Hopefully everyone stays healthy in these practices and hopefully everyone gets back to full health. We come in hundred percent. We hit full speed. And like I said, we have home ice advantage. It's a huge deal for us. Speaking for those who didn't see the picture that was posted on social media, when we say Horwat in bed, he was fully clothed. Don't worry, everybody. We, we didn't post his nudes to the Iceberg Podcast Twitter. So definitely a good shout out there. It has been a nice week off. It's kind of weird that there's still regular season games to be played, even though some of them don't really matter. For example, 
Vancouver and Calgary are going to play basically a four-game series over the next week that is also going to be simultaneous with playoff hockey, so nobody's going to watch that outside of Vancouver and Calgary, of course. And even in Vancouver and Calgary, they're probably going to watch playoff hockey other than that, unless they have to, of course, cover the team. But definitely a good shout-out there. Of course, I'm still antsy about the NHL playoffs. I just want to know a date, man. So I'll try to ignore that for now. My shout out this week goes to the absolute alien life form that is Connor McDavid. Oh, yeah. I know that several times on this podcast, I've kind of campaigned for Sidney Crosby to be a heart candidate, to be a heart finalist, to possibly win the heart. And I will admit part of that is Eastern bias. I haven't had the chance to watch Connor McDavid all that much, mainly because I can only watch so much hockey and staying up till 10 o'clock to watch every Oilers game is not high on my priority list. But I definitely underestimated where he was at. I knew he was far and away scoring points at a ridiculous level, but 102 points in 54 games is just unreal. I mean... The game that he scored 100 points, he had four when he hit the 100-point mark. And how many goals did the Oilers have that game? Four. So that's how that season has basically gone. And I see what Crosby did for the Penguins with the injuries that they had and seeing that he put the team on his back. And then I see what the Oilers have without injuries, and I say, wow, the Penguins are well off. So clearly... Even though it isn't the strongest division, I don't care what anybody tries to tell me about the fact that, you know, the Senators are playing upset, look at the bottom of your division. No, you have two teams in that division that are going to have a chance to make it out of the second round. The Penguins division has five solid teams at the very least, and that's even taken Philadelphia, who just completely crapped the bed out of the equation. So clearly, not the strongest division, but Conor McDavid still historic pace historic numbers, and a historic performance. He will win his second Art Ross trophy, almost ridiculous to say that he's only won one so far, and he's probably going to win his second Hart trophy as well. So shout out to him. I have to put some respect on his name because I feel like I've disrespected him all season long, but leave it to the last couple of days of the season for me to actually see my woes. Shout out to Connor McDavid. Uh, he's won two Art Rosses already, actually. This will be his third. Has he? Um, yes. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Never mind. But still, right, third. Yeah. Two-time Art Ross. But, um, oh, he is he is silly this season. Just yeah. silly. Do you think he's bored? Like, he's he's perfected the game. Do you think he's bored playing I hockey? I think he would be more bored if his team was better around him. Because the fact is, every time he does that, he they need that performance to get the win. Because if he wasn't doing it, the Oilers wouldn't be in the playoffs. Yeah, you mentioned the team being better around him. I, mean, I have the, the the Oilers point totals here. Connor McDavid, 102. Two games left, by the way. Yes. He still have two games to play. Do you think he gets to 110? <laughs> he needs to average four points a game. And it's basically what he's doing now. But they might also rest him because... I mean, who cares? There's been games where he's only played two periods and put up three points. Because he's done it. Uh, Leon Draisaitl was 81, which is also a little ridiculous in this sort of season. Yes. Tyson Berry, who's got 46. And that's a defenseman. Who's the next highest forward there? Because I know Darnell Nurse is after Tyson Berry. Darnell Nurse is after Tyson Berry with 36. And then I'm guessing it's RNH, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Can you guess the number and you know it's lower than 36? It has to be over 30. 
It's 34. <laughs> 30. Okay, so he has 34 points. You have to multiply that by... Oh, you have to multiply it by three, exactly, to get to where Connor McDavid is. Oh, he's so bored with this game. He's so bored. <laughs> it's absolutely unbelievable what he's doing. And yes, I do think Sidney Crosby should still be a finalist for the heart, but it's it's Connor McDavid. Connor trophy. McDavid should win every award this year. That includes the Vesna. That includes the Norris. The Epic. Give him give him the Rookie of the Year. This is ridi- ridiculous. I don't want to hear it. The Norris is going to Adam Fox. I hope you're right. Yeah, as long as it's not Hedman because he clearly doesn't deserve it. But let's get to our call-outs. Let's get to the sour beans. Let's get to the vegetables, Horwat. Who are you calling out this week? Uh, I forget if you called them out last week, but uh, the New York Rangers? Oh, I didn't call them out that last week, but I am calling them out this week. Ah, is it because <laughs> they are quote-unquote letting Tom Wilson live rent-free in their head? Which, by the way, let's be honest, that's, that, that's just not how it goes. Uh, it's... This is their wild card of an owner just doing wild card things. Yeah. That's all it did. One big thing happened. Yes, Tom Wilson may be a part of it. It may have been the catalyst. But the fact that, um, I forget the owner's name now. I should have written it down. James Dolan. James Dolan, thank you. But the fact that James Dolan is the one that made the statement, which Everyone commended them for good on them. For I shouted them out last week because they made that statement. They did something that no other team has really ever done. Well, now wait, James, stop. What are you doing? You are messing everything that you've worked for up. You fired your president GM and now your coach and now your coach. Yeah. For what, what is your probable cause for this, sir? This is wild. Yeah. What are your sets of articulable facts and circumstances for firing and cleaning house in the midst of a rebuild when your team is literally on a straight upward trajectory. Could it, could it be like going one and five in your last six? If that's your explanation, cool. But use that. Don't let everyone actually believe that it's this Tom Wilson thing. Like everyone's going to do anyway. Did the Tom Wilson thing suck? Yes. But they, they were handling it the right way by, you know, making a statement that has never really been seen before by, okay, yeah, the line brawl happened. Cool. I'm cool with one quick line brawl. Thank God that wasn't all game. The game became boring after the first period, but, you know. Well, there were a lot of players that were out of the game. <laughs> I mean, Buchnevich was ejected. Tom Wilson was injured and taken out of the game. It, it was a crazy game, but... The Rangers' response to their last six games, like, that can't be it. Because if that's the case, then the Flyers should fire everybody, including Gritty, for their performance in the last two months. Oh, I like that. Um, <laughs> but no, Dolan has had built a hell of a crew there. But between the general manager, the president, and getting Dan Quinn as coach, it's, it's so wild. I mean... You got to have a legitimate reason for this. Chris Drury stepped in. But yeah, maybe you like Chris Drury that much. Mm-hmm. I just need something a little better than these things are just happening and there's no real reason behind it. Because I think I said at the beginning of the season, this team could be good this year. I said during the season, this team is could be good this year, but will be great next year. Um, man, they're going to have a fun offseason. The offseason might include Jack Eichel, but... 
I don't know if I believe that. I mean, the Jack Eichel sweepstakes is going to be really crazy. I'm just hoping he gets out of Buffalo, but the problem being whoever gets sent back there is in for the end of their career. I know they said Boston would be interested because he is a Boston U product, but they would have to send back McAvoy and Pasternak, McAvoy or Pasternak plus assets. So do you think they sent Taylor Hall back? (laughs) Maybe, honestly, (laughs) but it's to bring it back to the New York Rangers from everything that I've gathered from their fan base and from listening around the league David Quinn was on a short leash already, so I understand letting him go to go in a different direction. I don't think he was ever in their plans as being their coach once they got back to prominence, but the John Davidson and Jeff Gordon firings are the ones that I don't understand. That might be more tied to the Tom Wilson thing. I mean, the team they have on the ice is not bad. The prospects they have are not bad. Where they're at organizationally is not bad, so that I feel is more tied to the Tom Wilson thing as where the David Quinn Quinn thing, I think had the writing on the walls for a while now. And yes, Chris Drury was, we all knew he was going to be the next general manager of the New York Rangers. He bowed out of the Penguins general manager job because he was probably promised that at some point in the next year or so, he would get that position in New York. I don't think he expected it to be this quickly, but things happen. We all, we all kind of expected this to happen, right? Like, Dan mm-hmm. Quinn was on a short leash. Okay. Um, David Gordon, Quinn. What? Is it David Quinn? I'm pretty sure it's David Quinn. God, it was Dan. I, have, I will look it up. Go ahead and continue thing, right? your point. Oh, it is David Quinn. I'm a big dummy. Okay. Um, who's Dan Quinn? Anyway. He's the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons when they went to the Super Bowl. Cool. I don't know where you pulled that one from. but <laughs> All right, cool. Anyway. Um, so David Quinn was on a short leash at, in New York already, whatever, that's fine. So you wanted to really get Drury in there. Okay. You could have done that. It's all the timing with this. That's sus all around because it all happened sort of within, you know, countable hours of the Tom Wilson incident. And then I just had soundproofing fall and then, and then within, um, what a day or two of their season ending goes their head coach. Mm -hmm. It's if this all was to be, um, you know, moves you were going to make do it during the off season. Like actually, I mean, that is the off season for, for, for head coaching firings. Listen, that is not as suspect is the president of hockey operations and the general manager. That's what I want to hone in on there because they were fired and their cause was that they'd failed to meet expectations. Well, here's the thing. When did this rebuild technically start? When the Penguins eliminated them in 2016. Because 2017 was their first bad season. It's 2021 and you have the youngest, most exciting, second most exciting hockey team in the league behind the Carolina Hurricanes right now. As far as age and promise. It's the Hurricanes, then it's the Rangers. They made it into the Stanley Cup jumble in the bubble last year. Because they were a top 24 team. Okay, did they perform well? No. This year, in one of the toughest divisions in hockey, if not the toughest division in hockey, they finished in fifth, where the top four make it. And those top four teams are no slouches. So, I'm not exactly sure where James Dolan's head is at. It's certainly not focused on the Rangers. It might be more focused on the basketball team that plays at MSG. And that's fine. Because he should just leave it 
to the hockey people, in my opinion. Right now, you have Chris Drury. I think that he'll be a pretty good GM for them. He's set up pretty freaking well when it comes to having Lafreniere, Kako, Shesterkin, Fox, Keandre Miller. I don't even need to go on because then I didn't even mention Zibanejad, Panarin, and Kreider as well. So, I mean, you're set up very well. So, I think Chris Drury is going to do well. But it's just, you can't tell me it's firing for cause with John Davidson and Jeff Gordon if the cause isn't actually there. So, I mean, it, it bothered me. I wanted to call them out because that team needs to be good for the NHL, especially going into their new TV deal. And for James Dolan to just basically blow it up in the middle of a rebuild, the world's fastest rebuild, doesn't make sense. Nope, not one bit. It's It hurts. You're right. It, the league does need that team to be good. Uh, it's not like the team's going to go anywhere. It's, I mean, it's not like they're... Uh, pulling the Oakland Athletics and, and are going to ship out of town, but yeah, um, the last time the uh, oof, the last time the Rangers had a long spell of being not good, I mean, just judging by playoff appearances, was ninety the ninety seven ninety eight season through oh three oh four. I mean, that's not even all that long, mm-hmm. sort of. I mean, it is, but it is for them. But that's it. Yeah. Oh, well, it looks like they went through a carousel of coaches during that time yeah but oh they had Gretzky in there that's weird man this team does need to be good but you know (laughs) you need them to be good and who knows maybe things happen stranger things have happened maybe they get a really good coach to really finish off the rebuild maybe Chris Drury steps in as the guy he was supposed to be. Maybe this turns out to be a good thing, really. Maybe they hire John Tortorella and it all goes to shit. I mean, who knows? Yeah, it's just the timing of it's very not good. I that's my only uh problem with it. Yeah, I think we've we've exhausted our discussion on New York Rangers right now. The only other thing I did want to mention is congratulations are in order. Let me pull up his name really quickly because it's probably going to be the last time I say his name ever in my life, but congratulations to Luke Henman, the first ever Seattle Kraken player. Now, my question is, will he make his NHL debut before or after Reed Duke, who was the first player signed by the Vegas Golden Knights? Reed Duke has played in the AHL ever since signing that contract with Vegas, currently playing for the Henderson Silver Knights of the AHL. But congratulations to Seattle. They finally have a player. Now you only need 19 more to ice a team. I'm sure they'll be fine once July. July? July 21st. Start around. selling those jerseys. Yeah, I woke up from the nap from my nap to see that news. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always fun seeing stuff like that. The first player to be signed by a team, you know, you, you have a little hope for them because they're player number one, and then they kind of just get bogged down with professional players. He's from the queue, though, so mm-hmm. uh, guy has never played against defense. <laughs> That's for sure. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. By the next time we talk to you, maybe Game 1 will have been played. Maybe not. But if it hasn't, we'll continue to preview it. If it has, we'll have the review of Game 1 of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Penguins versus Islanders. Horwat, any last words before we send the folks home for the weekend? Nope, just thanks for listening as always. Thank you for listening. I'm excited for the Stanley Cup playoffs. We will have a playoff preview on our next episode as well as our picks but for right now we say goodbye have a good weekend 
and let's hope game one is announced and played by the next time we talk to you guys on Monday. Have a good weekend, Pens fans. You can follow us on Twitter at Nick Horwat 41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.